0: checkup podcast. My name is John. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, the struggles with drugs, alcohol, pride, and control. Hey everybody, welcome back to the CR Checkup Podcast. I'm so excited to have each and every one of you here with us today. I hope that I got a chance to see you either on Monday night at our Goodyear campus or on Wednesday night at our Buckeye campus. But regardless of whether you come to our meetings, you missed, or you live in a different state or a different country, hey, we're so excited that you're tuning in here. We love you so much. We hope that you can join in on the conversation that we started in person, in this case, on Monday night. And it was our chip night, our testimony night. We had a really great time. It was a really wonderful evening. And I'm super excited to have our conversation with the testimony tonight. Um, One of my really, really good friends who's in the studio with me here today. And I'm super excited for you guys to get uh, to hear just a little bit about his story and what's been going on in his life. And I'm excited to get to to talk with him a little bit about it uh, some more. So, um, hey, would you go ahead and please uh, introduce yourself here for us?
1: Hi, my name is Will. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with alcohol.
0: Will, thanks so much for uh, making the time to come out and, and be on the podcast today.
1: Well, I'm glad to be here.
0: I uh, so it's just recently your birthday. we were ch- chatting before this. You you just you got a smoker for your birthday. You get ready to to smoke some meats, huh? Get get well... it going.
1: <laughs> Well, I'm going to give it a shot, but uh, I'm a novice, so <laughs> might take a few tries.
0: Well, I'd love to talk about that maybe a little bit later on. Uh, we've been talking about uh, Step 6 and stuff, and we're talking about hobbies and stuff, so maybe we can chat about that a little bit later. But super excited to just uh, chat some about your testimony and... Um, For those who who weren't there on Monday night or don't know you, have never heard your story, I'd love if you could uh, just uh, share a little bit, kind of what brought you into the program and and all of those different things and kind of where you're at today. Would you just share with our listeners just just a little bit about your testimony?
1: Sure. Um, What brought me into the program was when I hit my bottom. And basically, I went on a nine-day bender, you know, disappeared, pretty much left my family hanging over Christmas, which made it that much worse. And that's what brought me in through the doors. Uh, You know, that was after 25 years of drinking, you know, going through various stages, sometimes more, sometimes less, sometimes Mm -hmm. daily. But there at the end, I was binging so often. You know, it really, there were a couple of Christmases there where I did the same thing. And uh, that brought me in through the door. Once I got in here, you know, and I realized that... But that the only solution to my problem was Jesus Christ. Um, you know, then I really embraced this program, and it was able to get me straight and get me straightened out and get me working on other things besides just my alcohol problem.
0: That's good. Well, so it's interesting. So it's been a few years you just celebrated three years, right? That's correct. That's awesome, man, and and super proud of you for that. <laughs> it's funny when, when uh, after you had shared on Monday night, I had shared with the group, you know, like a lot of the other guys in here that share. It was hard to, man, I didn't know if you were going to make it, man. You know, it was, my drug counselor said that when I was in the program and it was it was like that. And he came in, it was like, geez, I don't know if this guy is going to make it. And uh, that, that's kind of the case. A lot of the people who end up making it are the ones that we feel like sometimes are like, geez, there's no way. Right. And I'm sure it probably felt like that for you, too, that you just thought maybe maybe I'm not going to be able to, to conquer this thing.
1: Well, for sure, my wife felt that way. I mean, yeah. it wasn't my first try. Yeah. Um, but there was definitely something different. You know, I had a what they call the white light experience mm-hmm. during that last drunk. And so when I came in here, I already knew something was different. I felt different. And I was a lot more optimistic. But, yeah, part of me still wondered if I was ever going to be able to get that monkey off my back.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah, it's that... That level of readiness that, yeah, once you kind of get beaten into submission, some of us kind of have that moment or that, you know, blessing of being beaten into submission.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that really describes where I was at at that particular point in time. <laughs> and I'm sure to everybody else, I looked pretty rough. And I felt pretty rough. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's such a weird concept, though, too, because as painful as it is, and I would never want to go back to the, that moment for me either. Man, how grateful I am. Like, you know, I look at other people who you know, are trying to surrender their lives over to Christ and have never had that moment in their lives. is just like beat up so bad. It's like, man, that's got to be really difficult. I'm really grateful <laughs> for, you know, the, the lows in my life that prove to me, like without a shadow of a doubt, like I need Jesus, I need a savior because it was bad. Like I have, <laughs> I have detailed proof that, you know, I can't do it by myself. And, you know what it looks like when i am you know doing left to my own regard there and so yeah i'm i'm grateful for that and you know it might sound weird or awkward but i'm grateful for that for you too man you know it i don't know you know if i would be where i'm at without that moment and same for you too you know who knows where we would be without those those uh submis- those moments where we were beaten into submission but i was going to say um this past time you've shared your testimony a few times but uh this past time you had mentioned you wanted to kind of go about it a little bit differently, and you wanted to highlight more about the recovery than you know the the horror stories and all those things. Could you share us a, a little bit about kind of what your thinking was behind that and kind of how that came out?
1: Sure you know I had planned on just doing my chronological testimony from you know being a young kid all the way up to you know coming into these rooms. And that's the way I've normally done it in the past, because it's not the first time I've shared. But it felt like, you know, through things that were going on in Celebrate Recovery, things we've been talking about, you know, I really felt like hitting on the whole what brings you through the doors only opens the doors Mm -hmm. thing. And, you know, when I was drinking, I always said that you know, I didn't have a reason to drink. Any day that ended in Y was a good enough reason for me to drink. (laughs) And and I still believe to a certain degree, you know, that I have an alcoholic nature and that once I started drinking, it it was destined that I was going to be an alcoholic. However, it turns out there were a lot of things in my life that I was, you know, ignoring or in denial about. There's another word we like to use a Mm. lot. And you know, as I was going through the first couple of years of recovery, you know, and facing up to all these different things I was in denial about, I realized alcohol was never my problem. It was just the manifestation of my problem. And for me, it was, you know, the false veneer of pride to hide low self-esteem. That was probably my biggest problem that, and then the fear of missing out on things and, you know, putting all that pressure and stress on myself, alcohol was one way that I could relieve the pressure and stress that I was putting on me. Yeah. And So when I was doing the testimony this time, you know, people tend to remember the last thing you say. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to, you know, the last thing that I said was I came in to celebrate recovery because I was a drunk. I didn't want people to focus on that. I wanted them to focus on I found all these other areas of my life. And here lately I've been explaining it a lot like sports, Mm -hmm. golf especially. When uh, for me, when I'm trying to get sober... If I'm just aiming at the ball, which is staying sober, Mm. you know, my shot's going to go wild. It's going to go short. It's going to go right. It's going to go left. And just about every sport where you got to swing something or throw something, they always say the same thing. It's all about the follow through. Mm. So, you know, my follow through is focusing on all those character defects, you know, and letting God work on those and staying focused on those. And I just swing right through the ball, Hmm. you know, so staying sober isn't what I'm working at. That's the natural offshoot of working on all those other things. And that's sort of what I wanted to focus on at the end. That's what I wanted people to remember.
0: Yeah, that's so good, man. And I think that's absolutely incredible. And for those of us who have maybe been in the program for a little bit, maybe understand that. But what does it take? Like, how do we shift that? Because early in the program is it is it necessary that we only focus on the one thing or how do we get to that point where we understand and this is kind of what, what we've been talking about in group with step st- step 6 and stuff but what how does that switch or what was it like for you like what was it over the years of like trying and failing and and maybe coming to that that point of understanding that it was bigger i know in your testimony you shared something else that i was going to bring up to about having this this desire to to succeed or the desire to um i don't remember the exact word that you had used you were saying that you if you're going to do something you're going to be top of the class at it so you know are there was there things that were revealed to you as you were working through the program that helped you understand that it was bigger or what was that process for you like and what is what do you think the importance of like like you had said this is the long haul this is the follow-through why is that so important?
1: I think part of it I realized early on, you know, it's funny that out of the 12 steps, only two even talk about whatever <laughs> your hurt, habit, or hang-up is. Yeah. You know, everything else is the follow-through. It took me a while to realize that and to see that trend, but as I got more into the steps and as I started sponsoring and helping other people through the steps, that started to be revealed to me. and uh, And then also you know, like going through, reading the Bible cover to cover. Mm. I've done that twice now. Um, Just various things like that. And I noticed that I was spending more time, you know, trying to seek, you know, a better life, a more righteous life, you know, a life like Christ would have me live. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I just realized that in doing that, I never even thought about alcohol. I was never tempted. Mm. I mean, honestly, in the three years From the day I walked through the door, I haven't been tempted, but it took me a long time to realize that I wasn't even just trying to stay sober anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think when you realize that, it just makes it a lot easier. Totally. Um, You know, I see people, especially at AA, and I really feel for them where every day is a struggle to stay sober. And I think, you know, they got the, all they're doing is looking at the ball. You Mm -hmm. know, they're not Mm -hmm. looking at where they're really trying to get to that life of joy and peace and serenity that this program promises and that, you know, God and Jesus promised us.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, And like I said, that's why I wanted to focus on it. But yeah, I mean, it's taken me three years, and I'm sure more yet will still be revealed as I continue, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to be more Christ-like, you know, trying to live a better life, you know, a life of service and humility.
0: Yeah, that's good. I mean, there's so much that comes into that, and who knows where that moment moves, you know, when we finally realize. I think, hopefully, if we're working our steps appropriately, by the time that we get to step six— we have some kind of semblance of an understanding that, okay, this is more than just, you know, not using drugs or alcohol or, you know, not blowing up in anger or not acting out in codependency or whatever those things are that it's it's a little bit bigger. And so, like I had mentioned before, you had talked about how um, early on in, a, in, your, in your life that you had this desire was like you – if you're going to do it, then you wanted to make sure that you – were at the top of the class. So I'm wondering that if you, like, when in your program did you start to understand that? And then how do you now live that out? Like, how does that work? How does that play out in your life now? Um, like, do you have different coping mechanisms or, or practices to make sure that, you know, you either wor- are working against that? Or how does that play out inside of your life now? Because you know, as these things are revealed to us and we say, okay, well, it's not just the drugs and alcohol, but there's these other things that are, you know, I'm struggling with that manifest into that. So if it's, if I still have this struggle, what do I do with it today? Like for you, what were you saying? Like exactly when in your testimony, you're talking about that early on in your life that you had recognized a a struggle that you had. Do you remember exactly how you would
1: put it? Yeah. I don't remember the exact words, (laughs) but You know, I got satisfaction out of excellence. There you go. And it wasn't even so much a competition with anyone else. It was just that if I wasn't at the top, I felt like I hadn't achieved enough, that I hadn't worked hard enough. And, you know, in in certain respects, you know, because in a lot of ways I was above average – I always excelled. So it was really easy Hmm. for me. But then when things got really challenging, I didn't have the work ethic. And so it was just a cycle that fed on itself Mm. because I didn't, I really wasn't working as hard as I could have. Then when I didn't come out on top, I even felt worse about it. Mm. And, uh, you know, and I, I would say I still struggle with that to a certain degree. There's a certain amount of perfectionism in me, you know, with things that I do at work. But uh, I have some people that I confide in now. You know, it's more in my professional life than anything else where it really manifests these days. And, you know, so I've actually talked to my boss about that as being one of my shortcomings. And he calls me out on it. Mm -hmm. Um, My co-manager, I speak to him about it quite a bit. And, you know, it's learning not to feel disappointment when I'm not the CEO of the company. And that's really what it boils down to. And, you know, before I got sober, I remember at work always feeling like, why aren't they noticing me? Why am I not (laughs) moving through the ranks? Why am I not climbing the ladder? And one, I think that attitude tends to hold you back. Yeah. And I think, you know, when people see that attitude, they tend to not want to reward it. Yeah. But more importantly, it was robbing me of serenity. You know, so now I do catch myself in that still every now and then. But it's been a lot easier to let go of it. You know, I focus more on, you know, I've spent a lot more time focusing on helping my direct reports and Mm -hmm. trying to develop them and making that my primary goal instead of, you know, being the CEO.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's good. And I think that you kind of hit it right on the head where I because I struggle with a lot of the same things like on both sides of the spectrum where I'm like, man, how come somebody's not, you know, noticing me and feeling like that, that, you know resentment or that emotion well up inside of me but then on the other side if somebody does recognize me I'm like oh my gosh why are they (laughs) recognizing me like it's uncomfortable on both sides of it for me right and so learning how to deal with that and I think you brought up a really great point of like this desire this drive that I have it's gonna be there like it's it's something a part of my character it's part of my nature but learning how to use it in a more healthier capacity and you brought it up I mean yeah put it towards other people. Like, how can I use this to help other people build that drive in a healthy way? Because if I have an abundance of that, then I can share that with other people and use that to be able to build other people up.
1: You know, and what's funny, so much of my idea of what success would look like was shaped by media, Mm -hmm. by stereotypes, by you know, the things that other people were trying to reach out for, you know, that brass ring, the silver mm-hmm. spoon, whatever, you know, now that I'm defining what success looks like and, and it's hard, you yeah. know, if, cause it can feel like I'm shooting low, but I realize I'm not, I'm just shooting in a different direction. And I really believe that, you know, for me, I have to live that life of humility and service mm-hmm. You know, so it's just accepting that as a goal rather than these, tangi- you know, intangible, you know, things that really yeah. didn't matter in the long run. Right.
0: And that are never really obtainable, right? Like uh, it was...
1: Absolutely. Because even if I was the CEO of the company, I would wonder why I wasn't, you know, a venture capitalist CEO <laughs> or something, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'd, Cause it why never I'm ends. not ruling the universe or the world. Yeah,
0: the standards are always just a step ahead of wherever we're at. When we aren't living out that life of humility and yeah. service.
1: Yeah, I used to say that, you know, the grass may look greener on the other side, but when you keep chasing it, you end up right back where you started because the world is round. And <laughs> that's true, man. And, and I did, I found that out after, you know, roughly 30 years into my career that that's what I was doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good, man. And this is what's really interesting about the program as well. It, it And I think the importance of what you were talking about and the way that you were trying to share your testimony is like, this is a program where we can learn how to, yes, heal from our hurts, habits, and hang-ups, but this is, these are principles that we use in our every single day life, like in every single area of our lives.
1: Everybody should be using these principles. That's my opinion. You know, alcoholics or people suffering from depression or, you know, whatever your hurt, habit, or hang-up is or whatever hurt, habit, or hang-up I have, you know, this program gets me past that. And the people that don't have those hurts, habits, and hangups, they have something else. You know, we're all sick. Yeah. You know, we, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of Christ. Oh, and, uh, you know, so, you know, they always say in AA that we grasped a manner of living, which seemed to come intuitively to other people. <laughs> right. But I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people are flailing and struggling. They, some people just don't latch onto things that are as destructive as some other people do.
0: Yeah. Well, I think maybe a better way to put it is that what people should intuitively know. Like, because I think that these principles are principles to live by in general. And that if people were truly humbled and living out in our correct way, then we would know how to do these things intuitively. Or that they could become, they could be intuitive. But the fact that we're all constantly chasing, other things and living selfishly, then it, it just doesn't happen. And so yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, I mean the the program itself are are principles to live by in life period. Like for people. Like they're the principles to live by for people. But we're trying to clear up the wreckage of our past in order to allow us to live just the way that we were intended to, to, to live. And that's, what's really interesting about all of it and why I'm so grateful for the program and why I continue to talk about it incessantly, you know, like just nonstop.
1: I know exactly what you mean.
0: <laughs> but I, and this kind of comes into our, our next kind of thing I wanted to talk about was step six and step six is, you know, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character so I would love to get your ideas on it, um, kind of what the process was for you and maybe some advice. But um, first of all, I would just love to get your thoughts on that first part. What does it mean to be entirely ready? Because <laughs> I think this kind of hangs up people when, when we get to step six and you say, entirely ready? Geez, I don't know if I could ever be there. What What does that mean to you?
1: Uh, to me, it means that I'm ready to move past whatever those character defects are. I mean, war is revealed to me every day. Yeah. You know, the things, the way I respond to situations, things like that. I mean, I've come to realize that, one, I'm never going to get rid of all of them, you know, because I'm not Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And two, letting go of some of them is not that easy. Yeah. But being ready, that doesn't mean that you're 100%, you know, getting rid of them all. I mean, I think that's an impossible standard to live up to. So early, I mean, because you know, step six that's still pretty early in recovery, yeah. and uh, you know, I think you just have to understand that you're trying to attain something better and be willing to start working on them and letting them go. Yeah, um, you know, the entirely ready part, I understand what the writers of that meant, but it does make it sound like an impossible target,
0: yeah. I think for me. It's this idea of like willing to do whatever it takes, right? Like I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. that's what my sponsor had told me even when I just first started. And then when I came to that point where it's like, okay, well, there's some things that I do want to get rid of, but I still have this desire to act out in them. So like, how can I live in that? And it's like, okay, well, are you willing to try to do something about it? Like, what are you willing to take a step? And I think it's entirely as much as I'm capable of right now. Like how much, you know, willingness I have, whatever, If even if it's just a little bit, like the entirety of that amount, like that's all I have. You know, if, I, if I'm like, well, I want to, but I I can't, like I still desire, okay, well, that little piece that you have that you're willing, give all of that and then take the step, right? It, but it's 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 difficult. What was the step like for you? Like when you were taking it? How did your sponsor take you through it, and, and what was it like for you?
1: You know, I think he said something similar about, you know, doing whatever it takes. Yeah. You know, the, yeah, I went through step six pretty fast, I think. I mean, by the time I got there, I had been through so much. I'd put my family mm-hmm. through so much. You know, when I was in a... I was getting into a much better place, but still the shame of my prior actions was still on me. So I really was fully surrendered, Mm -hmm. you know, to whatever he told me to do. I was going to do it, you know, and so we talked about things. And of course, you know, the the issues with overachievement and pride were the things that we focused on the most, because that's obviously the hardest thing for me to let go of. And, you know, he gave me little exercises along the way, you know, do this, say this to somebody. When somebody Mm. says this to you, then you just have to nod your head, (laughs) you know, and uh, that really worked for me. That helped, you know, one step at a time, having concrete goals, because sometimes, you know, some of these character defects are so, you know, they're so uh, hard to touch, you know, it's like. How do you not be depressed? Right. (laughs) (laughs) If I knew that, I wouldn't have that problem. (laughs) Right. But uh, yeah. And so, you know, he just gave me little specific exercises and then just to test if I really was willing to do anything, I think is what he was trying to do. And that's the same thing I do with my sponsees. When we get to that point, you know, I'll be giving them, you know, certain tests, tasks to make sure that that's where they're really at because yeah. you don't want to move past that until they understand what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. And the
0: interesting thing is, is like I hear a range of experiences with step six, like on one side of it, it could be, Hey, are you ready? And you say, yes. And you say, okay, pray this prayer. And then like, let's move on to step seven. Right. And, or there's other, like, I mean, I spend some time on it and I always take a long time with my sponsees at this step, because I really want them to understand that, you know, this is where the program for me turns into giving up my hurt habit or hang up and it turning into a lifestyle of submitting anything and everything that, you know, offends my father in heaven. Like that, I, this is where I really want to teach people that this is a lifestyle. This isn't just something that you work through and that you, you know, complete someday where all of a sudden, you know, you're done with this. But this is, these are principles to live by, not just, they are steps to take, but you want to learn the principles within it. So it's interesting, you know, I, and, and I have this conversation a lot with people who go through the steps, you know. Because the first time I was, when I started to go through my steps and I didn't even finish, my sponsor was like, hey, we just need to get you through as fast as you can. And once you experience some of the, the fruits of, of doing the steps really quickly, then you can come back and you can do them a little bit, you know, slower. And then, you know, there's people who are all over the place. So if you're out there and you're listening and you're saying, well, my sponsor isn't doing it that way, that's okay. Um, but make sure that you're thinking about it for yourself too, right? Like, you know, we, we want to submit to our sponsors to the extent that we are still using common sense, right? It's a it's an interesting thing. I mean there's there's literature out there as well that you can you can read and, and things like this where, you know, you can make sure that you're you're at least working your program healthily, right? But the, the point is, is like if somebody's stuck on step six and they're saying, man, I don't know, I, I don't know how to do this or I'm not entirely ready or like, do you have any advice maybe that you would give them if they're having a hard time with step six?
1: Yeah it goes back to what we were talking about in steps four and five. What do you really have to lose? Mm. Pain, misery, you know, that rock bottom, shame. Hmm. I mean, these are the things you're losing. You're not losing anything else. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, and if you've done step four and five properly, you've identified that, okay, nobody wants to be afraid. So that's character defect. And why wouldn't you want to get rid of that? You know, you know, sarcasm, you know, that's, something that might be a little bit harder to get rid of, but (laughs) in reality, it's not the sarcasm you're trying to get rid of. It's using sarcasm as a coping mechanism Mm -hmm. in an uncomfortable situation or whatever, (laughs) right? And and that's what you're supposed to get from steps four and five. And that makes it a lot easier when you get to that step to say, okay, I'm willing to do whatever it takes not to do that. You know, for me, I still struggle, you know, The four-letter words do come out of my mouth in certain (laughs) situations, and it's something I'm really ashamed of. Now, I wouldn't have been ashamed of it before. Mm. So that's definitely a change that I feel that. And uh, that's something that I've been working on, but it's just yet another character defect. It's not the curse words themselves that are bad. It's the state of mind when I lose control of my mouth and let those words come out. And, And I think if people can see that, as they're going through step six, why wouldn't you want to let that go? You know, you just have to show them that you're not letting go of anything that matters or anything that makes you who you are. Yeah. You know,
0: these are only things that are holding us back from our true potential.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And I think you bring up another thing as you were sharing, it makes me think about that progress, not perfection. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Just because I say, well, yeah, I'm entirely ready, but then I, you know, leave from here and go do that thing that I said that I was entirely ready to get rid of. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not ready. It's, it's just a matter of being human <laughs> that we're going to continue to struggle with these things. And you know, that it's just finding that place within us to say, you know what, something's got to change. I, I've got to make it. I'm understanding that this isn't, I maybe what we were talking about too, with like in, in uh, co- like confessing to God, you know where it's like i'm coming to an agreement with him about the condition of, of the things that i of these character defects to be specific like i'm i'm agreeing that you know these things are destructive in my life and i think that that's a that's a healthy place to be at with that being entirely ready like maybe i'm not going to conquer it with this step but i can have a i can step out of denial into reality and be in agreement with god about you know if these character defects are are in fact effective.
1: Yeah. And oddly enough for me, I mean, I'm sure that I have enough that for the rest of my life I'll get to work on them (laughs) since that's such an important part of my recovery, you know, my follow through, so to speak, you know, I'm kind of glad that they're there, you know, that God keeps revealing more and more, you know, and hopefully I become a better and better person as I address each one of them in turn.
0: Yeah. It's a part of, yeah, that process. And, yeah, no, that's great, man. Well, the last thing that I wanted to to just uh, talk about real quick is is the newcomer. What would you share with the guy who's who's just fresh in, just hanging on, man, by the skin of his teeth? What would you share with that guy?
1: With that guy, I would share: listen to the people that have been in the program for a while, and contrast them to the people that are just coming through. Hmm. Um, you know, one thing I've definitely noticed in share is you could blindfold me, cut off everybody's introduction. And just based on what people are saying, I can tell where they're at in their recovery. Mm. And, you know, I think for the newcomer, the hope comes with the people that have been in the program longer who are actually working it. Yeah. You know, the experience part, you know, everybody comes in with that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so contrast that and see where it is you're trying to get to. That makes it a lot easier to keep coming week after week. Yeah. You know, when I came in, you know, you were one of the ones I was looking at. Um, Lorenzo was another one I was looking at that had been in the program longer than me. And I could tell that something was changing and with them and that they were in a much better place. And then some of the people that came in through the doors with me and myself included, you know, hearing all we were sharing about was how screwed up we were and everything (laughs) else. You know, it gave me something to look forward to. And that's what really kept me coming back week after week. I mean, it wasn't standing there or sitting there humiliating myself every week, (laughs) listing off all the bad stuff I had done. It was listening to the people that have been doing it for a while and how much happier and and more joyful they were.
0: Mm, That's good, yeah. Look to others and listen up. I remember when I got in, my sponsor told me, he's like, dude, for the first 30 days, shut up, man, because you you don't have anything good to say. (laughs) Just shut up and listen, man. And, uh, I really resented him for saying that, but it was really, really helpful to open those ears up, man. That was probably the weakest muscle I had on my body. And I mean, I was, I was beat up, but that was what needed the most strength. And, uh, just listening to people did go a really, really long way. So I think that's really good. Well, thanks for uh, making the time today, man. It's, It's great to chat with you. I'm super proud of you and just excited for what God's been doing in your life and in your family. And I'm excited what he's going to do next for you, man. So God bless you, bro. God bless your family. And uh, God bless what you're doing here uh, with us in the ministry. And I just love you, man. And and I'm I'm excited and grateful for you, for your friendship.
1: Well, thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, God bless you, too. And, you know, I love you, too, man.
0: For listening to the CR Checkup Podcast. This podcast is meant to start conversations, not end them. So we encourage you to continue having conversations wherever you're at. And if you're enjoying this podcast, then please share it with someone else. You can also reach us by emailing recovery at palmvalley.org.